This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. And you, as always, can bring up whatever you want. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site there are on the house, so do enjoy those. Freetalklive.com. To start things out here tonight, a uh, a pretty entertaining story. And there's actually some pretty entertaining video to go along with it. I will post them on our bulletin board system for you to take a look at later on. Uh, but essentially, Michael Hampton reporting at homelandstupidity.us that most people, for some odd reason, duh, they care deeply about how their driver's license photo appears. They want it to be just perfect. And yet the pictures always seem to come out bad anyway. I mean, everyone complains about that. Right. But when you go into the DMV and you actually want your picture to look bad, the pictures that come out are pretty funny. As part of a new movie, independent filmmakers Will Carsola and Dave Stewart went into the Virginia DMV dressed in some rather crazy outfits, not quite expecting the bureaucrats to actually take their picture and issue licenses, but the bureaucrats did anyway. Needless to say, the bureaucrats are a little bit ticked off that someone showed them up for the idiots that they really are. <laughs> now, when you actually look at this, it's just amazing uh, the, the the way they defaced their, their own skin, their faces, essentially taking spray paint and, uh, in one case, painting a, a face completely red. Uh, one guy painting on a unibrow, uh, painting on like this sort of big old beard that some sort of a... Uh, a terrorist-looking guy might might look like, uh-huh. and uh, they just really did themselves up to look very silly and not at all like themselves. And they were shocked when they actually did. Uh, they were allowed to actually have the licenses. Amazing. This in this you know secure America, right, where we're all concerned for our freedoms and security and everything. These could be these people could be illegal immigrants or or terrorists even. They could be, according to one of the filmmakers. Quote: We uh, or actually no, this is the DMV spokes bureaucrat. Quote: We have sent letters to the individuals that basically require them to appear at the DMV to uh, reapply for their driver's licenses and surrender any previously issued licenses. Within 15 days. Uh, the filmmaker said, we were like, there's no way this is going to work. Even when I did the Kung Fu guy, it surprised me how little they laughed. Will had red skin, and they didn't even tell him to come back when it was normal. Mr. Foy said the men's actions weren't illegal because they didn't obscure their appearance with hats or sunglasses, but that they did abuse the system. According to the Washington... You've abused our system. Yeah, well, um, the <laughs> spokes bureaucrat said... Using a disguise while obtaining a driver's license is not a joke. Hampton, <laughs> Sounds like a joke to me. <laughs> that's exactly what Hampton said. Uh, uh, and then another one of the filmmakers, quote, I was up at the booth talking to the guy for about 20 minutes, and he kept stalling and going into the back. I thought I was some, uh, they thought I was some sort of a terrorist or something. And that was the guy who uh, got his license after having his face spray-painted red. <laughs> These guys have done the Virginia DMV and the nation a big favor. Many of us have tried to argue how much of a joke these agencies and our homeland security remain after 9-11, particularly the issuance of driver's licenses. And uh, that's actually some neocon apologist who's actually looking at this from a positive perspective in that she's using it's Michelle Malkin. Uh, she's using it to sort of springboard off of and demand more rules. We need more rules. We need tighter security. We need to be stricter. With these people and their driver's license. And 
Well, this is a good time to remind everyone that identification does not equal security, says Hampton, unless, of course, by security you mean cataloging everyone so that you can round up the undesirables later and ship them off to internment camps. And that would never happen here in America, would it? Oh, how could it? Oh, wait, it, it already did. <laughs> in fact, over the weekend we were talking about how the federal government is uh, spending $38 million to preserve those very same internment camps. But that's not security for the people, it's security for the state against the people. And perhaps that's the reason behind all this. Quote, I, don't on, I honestly don't know if she realizes that Real ID won't solve this kind of problem, though, writes security expert Bruce Shire, nor will it solve the problem of people getting legitimate IDs in the names of people whose identity they stole, or real IDs in fake names by bribing DMV employees. What? You mean that DMV employees, government workers would accept bribes? You mean that the terrorists, that the bad men in America, might actually have one or two of their guys on the inside at a Department of Motor Vehicles? I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, it seems to me that most people are... That, that there's certainly people out there that would accept bribes, and I'm sure the terrorists wouldn't tell them we're going to blow up a building with 3,000 people in it. It really... Uh, I really couldn't say it any better, says Hampton. The fatal flaw in homeland security is that the state is your enemy. It doesn't have your interests in mind. It has its own interests in mind. So long as putting on a show of keeping people safe serves its interests, that's what it'll do. When it no longer serves the state's interests, then Homeland Security will become the department which keeps the state safe from the people rather than keeping the people safe. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number for you. And since we're talking about IDs, let's go overseas to the uh, London Telegraph where a draconian regime of fines which would hit families at times of marriage and death is being drawn up by ministers to enforce the identity card scheme. Now, in case you don't know, the, uh, great, uh, the United Kingdom is well along the path towards introducing a national ID card in comparison to us here in the United States. Here in the U.S., the real ID card supposed to be implemented in 2008, but by all indicators, it's probably not going to arrive on schedule here just mm-hmm. because bureaucrats are incompetent, slow, um, you know, the typical things that you expect about bureaucracies. But also because the bureaucrats also fight with one another. And in this case, uh, bureaucrats are fighting over funding. So here in the, U- in the U.S., State Department of Motor Vehicles are responding to the federal government and they're crying. They're saying, oh, you want us to upgrade our computer systems, but you aren't giving us any money. And so there's this big clash here in the U.S. over, you know, whether, whether or not there should be an unfunded mandate. So it's not that your local state driver's license bureau is actually standing up for your freedom. They just want to, you know, they just want a handout to Absolutely. implement this and tyranny. A big one. So that's what's going on here in the U.S. But millions of people from struggling students to newlywed women and bereaved relatives will face a system of penalties netting more than 40 million pounds for the Treasury. People would be fined up to a thousand pounds for failing to return a dead relative's ID card, hmm. while women who marry may have to pay at least thirty pounds for a new card if they want to use their married name, risking a one thousand pound fine if they don't comply. So, if your mom dies, I don't know. I, I mean, I, there must be. I guess they're going to make some rules that apply to which living relative's responsibility it is to really? turn in the old ID. Well, I mean, how else are you going to know? Is it going to be any adjacent relative's responsibility? I this mean, is the closest ridi- that's ridiculous relative? because, um, for one, how do you even know? I mean, you could be the, I don't know, son 
Um, you could be somehow in the in the pecking order. Um, the the other two people ahead of you are dead, and you're out of the country, and you haven't talked to the person in 20 years. Could very well be. The revelations will fuel debate over ID cards in the countdown to their nationwide introduction, which the government claims will boost security, tackle identity fraud, and prevent illegal working. And you're going to hear all of those claims here in the United States as we get closer to the implementation of Real ID mm -hmm. here. As though it's going to happen. But costs are soaring, and technology has failed in the tests. Can you imagine that? Government says government programs failing. It says people will have to pay 30 pounds for a simple ID card or more than 90 pounds for one with a passport. Wow. Experts claim that the cost of a combined card could be as high as 300 pounds, pushing the implementation cost beyond 20 billion pounds. David Davis, the Shadow Home Secretary, said fines revelation shows... What is the Shadow Home Secretary? I don't know. Scary. Sounds kind of spooky. Said the fines revelation shows that the scheme, quote, will hit the taxpayer, not the terrorists, and is just another labor stealth tax. He said, quote, it's shocking that the government's considering charges and fines on people during the most sensitive times in life. The conservatives would scrap this plastic poll tax and invent the savings and practical measures to improve security. The first cards will be issued by, uh, by the Identity and Passport Service to passport applicants in 2009 and will become compulsory from 2010. So it sounds like even the, uh, the U.K. has extended its dates out. Because I remember the U.K. had dates that were earlier than the United States. Mm -hmm. And so, again, government uh, slowness, government ineptitude is one of the things that is working in our favor. Those of us who are in the freedom movement, you always have to remember, government can't get it together. And they, even if they finally do, it's not ever done quickly or cheaply. We're coming back with more, and you can take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. And as you might imagine, they probably will come up with similar fines and penalties for our identity card here in the U.S., you take control. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. For all your voiceover IP needs, packet8.net. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there because they're totally free, including live streams, a broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version for your listening pleasure at freetalklive.com. And do you have a child in your life? Be they son, daughter, or sibling, give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton. Teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. Give your special child a kid's journey to getting rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com or 800-657-5066. As we go to the phones, to the fun. Let's talk to Michelle, uh, excuse me, Kayleen in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, Kayleen. What's Long on your mind? Time, no chat. Indeed. What's <laughs> up? Uh, I'd like to talk about the heart attack grill in Arizona. Have the Heart Attack that? Grill? Is this a, like a restaurant? Oh, yeah. It's a mom-and-pop restaurant who uh, was recently sued, I believe, back in October or November for um, uh, the fact that they have sexy little waitresses that are dressed like nurses. Well, now what? The, the Arizona State Nursing Board sued them, uh, subsequently dropped the suit. But, um, like defamation or something? Yeah. Uh, You're misrepresenting because, um, nurses. Of, yeah, of female nurses being um, portrayed in that way. I see. And uh, I looked up their website. I went to their website. I 
emailed the owner. Mm-hmm. Wonderful place. If I ever go to Arizona again, I am going to the Heart Attack Grill because <laughs> they serve these huge burgers, nice and fatty, mm-hmm. these fresh french fries, and pretty little girls dressed like nurses. And, you know, it's just another case of political correct crap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what? so they, they, they filed the lawsuit and then withdrew yeah. it, and that was it? It was all mm-hmm. over at that point? I mean, what was the point in that? Did they decide that because they had no chance? Or? Well, actually, I read, I read the um, article on abcnews.com. Um, uh, John Stossel mm-hmm. uh, wrote about this uh, lawsuit that the Arizona State Board of Nursing pressed against this restaurant because uh, no one who does not have a license is uh, allowed to call themselves a nurse. And yet, the owner of the place calls himself Dr. John. But I didn't notice the AMA com- making a- any complaint against him. Wait, is it, is it a law that no one can call themselves a nurse? Oh, well, supposedly. Man, what a stupid law. <laughs> yeah. Very stupid law. I mean, I could understand that law. if somebody, I, I could understand that if somebody was operating as a nurse and not actually a nurse and claiming to be a nurse, then that would be sort of a violation. You know, they're in, they're impersonating a nurse in that case. But if yeah, it's but clear that the individual isn't administering any sort of uh, medicine or uh, medical activity, then I don't understand the, where the, the conflict is, is. He calls himself uh, jo- Doctor John, the owner of the of the burger joint, mm. and he calls his waitresses nurses. And they're dressed in these little sexy nursey costumes. Sure. And uh, they're, you know, they're, it's, it, from what I understand, from it's a great website. You should go to the website. It's uh, it? www. Um, okay. It, it's a wonderful website. And uh, I will, I will I definitely take a look at it. Do they have and, pictures of the waitresses? He, he emailed me back saying, you know, about. I really appreciate your input considering all these political. Political crap junk that we've just gotten lately. That's really got to be upsetting. If it offends offends the um, nurses to go in there and see sexy nurses, um, quote-unquote nurses, uh, serving big hamburgers, they should not go in. Yeah, well, that's reason enough for me to go and give them some business if I'm ever in the area. And, uh, Kayleen, thanks for sharing the story with us. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Why, are you looking at a picture of it? Yep. What is it, the Heart Attack Grill? Um, the heart attack, yeah, it's heartattackgrill.com. Is there a the in front of it, or is it no, just heart attack, heart attack grill? Okay. And how about pictures of the waitresses? Because um, that's really the only thing that's going to make it worthwhile going to. They're there. The, um, okay. Yeah, not no? the best pictures so far, but that's we'll unfortunate. see. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. As far as I'm concerned, the uh, the the men and women operating eating establishments uh, with uh, franchise info. Well, the men and women operating eating establishments like this, where women are uh, in very little clothing, I think are uh, are heroes. I don't know. They're, they're certainly know how to make some money. I don't know if they're heroes. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, speaking of the Arizona area, down in Tyler, Texas, this one's been emailed to me by a bunch of people, so we definitely have to talk about it. In fact, I think we should probably get this guy in the show. A one-time really? Texas drug agent described by a former boss as perhaps the best narcotics officer in the country plans to begin selling a video that shows people how to conceal their drugs and fool the police barry cooper who once worked for police departments in gladewater and big sandy and uh, the permian basin drug task force plans to launch a website next week where he'll sell his video quote never get busted again the Tyler Morning Telegraph reported in its online edition Thursday. A promotional video says Cooper will show v- uh, viewers how to 
conceal their stash, avoid narcotics <laughs> profiling, and fool canines every time. Cooper. Yeah. I wonder what kind of... I, I, it, it sounds like a good video. I mean, what kind of narcotics profiling is there out there? I mean, I generally don't have... Long hair. I don't black, have that kind of trouble. Hispanic. And so, whatever it is... Teens. I'm not doing it. Uh, Cooper, who said he favors legalization of marijuana, made the video in part because he believes the nation's fight against drugs is a waste of resources. Busting marijuana users fills up prisons with nonviolent offenders. He said, quote... My main motivation is uh, in all of this is to teach Americans their civil liberties, and what drives me is this injustice and unfairness in our system, says Cooper. And if anybody has uh, the ability to make a claim like this, it is someone like uh, Barry Cooper, somebody who has been there and done that. Cooper said his website should be operating by Tuesday, so I'm going to have to do a little Google search here, see if it's up and running. Uh, and he plans to publicize the video in a full-page advertisement in a national publication. As a drug officer, Cooper said he made more than 800 drug arrests and seized more than 50 vehicles and $500,000 in cash and assets. Quote, he was even better than he says he was, said Tom Finley, Cooper's so, boss. What did he have, a, uh, um, a change of heart or something? Is that what sort of happened? Well, um, I think that's probably what ended up happening, like a lot of the officers who are involved in law enforcement against prohibition. Mm -hmm. Now, law enforcement against prohibition is not mentioned in this article, um, but uh, you can bet if I can get this guy on the show, we're going to ask him if he's, uh, if he's a member. And if he's not, uh, he definitely he should, should look into it. He should it. be. Uh, but, they, yeah, most of those officers came to the realization eventually that what they were doing was totally futile. I mean, they know after, you, after you've been in the narcotics squad for long enough, you must come to the realization that you're having no effect on ending or stemming the tide of drugs coming into your community. Yeah, I would think that at some point that that uh, realization has to hit them all. You come to that realization. I remember I was talking with a uh, former DEA agent once who basically told me, you know, I asked him that question, Don't, didn't you figure that you were just spinning your wheels, essentially? that nothing good was coming from what you were doing? And he said, yeah. But I really loved the adrenaline rush of kicking in people's doors. Was I, I was in there for that. Yeah, you that, were there for that, 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 yeah. that guy. You really you weren't very fond of him. Um, he was a nice enough guy if you didn't know that he was a drug cop. Mm -hmm. and then, uh, well, then he you, did stop doing it. He, well, he did. Uh, 800-259-9231. More about Barry Cooper, the former narcotics officer, now making a video to help people conceal their stash, avoid narcotics profiling, and fool canines every time. It sounds like it's going to make a nice little uh, compliment video to the already existing busted How to Survive Police Encounters. A great uh, stocking stuffer for a drug user near you. You'll, uh, anyone who, has fr uh, who appreciates their freedoms, actually, Mark. More on the way. Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the Tuesday edition, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the updates, and you'll get clued in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. That's updates.freetalklive.com to get on that list. That is updates.freetalklive.com. And get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. That is freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. In fact, another reason to attend the Liberty Forum 
is you're going to be able to meet Jack Cole from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. He's going to be there speaking, and I'm I'm kind of excited about that because we've yeah. had Jack on the show before, and he seems like a, a heck of a good guy. You know, he does. He was a bad guy at one time, and now he's a good guy. <laughs> he's a reformed bad guy. Um, and when I say that, he was a drug warrior. He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was fighting the good fight, but then he discovered after a few years of uh, being involved on the inside of the war on drugs, that this whole war on drugs thing, it's hurting people. It's hurting friends and family members and um, giving people unnecessary convictions and prison stays and just ruining people's lives. He came to that realization, and he and a few others founded Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Well, as it turns out, this guy Barry Cooper, who we're talking about right now, former narcotics agent also, he is, he is I've confirmed it now, uh, he is active in membership in Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. And their website, by the way, is leap.cc, L-E-A-P dot C-C. Now, Cooper, uh, Barry Cooper, has at this point produced a video called Never Get Busted Again. His website is nevergetbusted.com. And uh, I know, Mark, you're going to be working on getting him on the show. Yeah. Because this sounds really interesting. As a drug officer, Cooper said he made more than 800 drug arrests and seized more than 50 vehicles and $500,000 in cash and assets. Cooper's former boss on a West Texas drug task force says he was even better than he says he was. He was probably the best narcotics officer in the state and maybe the country during his time with the task force. Ah, but news of his video has angered authorities. I'll bet it has. Including Richard Sanders, an agent with the Tyler Drug Enforcement Agency. Sanders says he plans to investigate whether the video violates any laws. I bet he'd love that. Quote, it outrages me personally, as I'm sure it does any officer that has sworn an oath to uphold the laws of this state and nation. It's clear that his whole deal is to make money, and he's found some sort of scheme. But for him to go to the dark side and do this is infuriating. Well, you know, it's a pretty well-stated statement, um, you know, defending the drug war, which has destroyed freedom in America. I mean, he's done, as far as I'm concerned, that's a great statement. He put it together real well, makes it nice and tight, and he is full of crap. I would love to have him on the show to talk about his beliefs and why it is that he thinks it's okay to destroy the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, mm. all in pursuit of getting rid of some frickin' marijuana. Not to mention destroying people's lives. I mean, yeah. Barry Cooper at this point has realized that he was doing the wrong thing. That as a police officer, the primary job to be, should be to protect and serve. The primary job should be to help your uh, so-called clients, should be to help the people that need help. Uh, you don't force people you don't force people into treatment. You don't force people into a jail cell. Those are not ways to help people with the drug problem. Anyway, Smith County Deputy Constable Mark Waters, a narcotics officer, says the video is insulting to law enforcement officials, especially when it was made by an ex-police officer. I wonder if he's actually seen the video, considering the website just launched today. How can, the, how can this guy make a comment that the video is insulting to law enforcement officers? Well, the, the whole idea that... Uh... He would be undermining what it is that they're doing and telling some of their secrets and that kind of thing. It's an embarrassment to all law enforcement officers across the United States who you know, put their life on the line every day, says Waters. It seems funny to me that they're, what they're doing is they're just they're bemoaning change. They're mm-hmm. going to have to come up with better ways to investigate and do whatever it is that they do. And, um, you know, they hate the idea that the First Amendment's being used in this manner, that yep. this guy's speaking as freely as, as he'd like. Well, this maybe this is one of those examples of where Newt Gingrich and his uh, pals would like to crack down 
on freedom of speech. You know how uh, we actually played some sound clips from him last week on Monday. You weren't here for it. Mm. But uh, of Newt getting up on uh, on television talking about how he wants to shut down websites and, and uh, shut people out and down for uh, for speaking out things that could be dangerous. My guy Newt, I used to like him. You could know? encourage terrorism. Well, I mean, this is kind of like terrorism against the system, isn't it? Teaching people how to Close stand up for their rights. I'm sure you can link this to terrorism, you know, all that uh, marijuana coming from Afghanistan. All the that deputy heroin. constable says, this is a slap in the face to all that we do to uphold the laws and keep the public safe. Your laws are a bunch of crap, pal. Yep, that's true. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Stephen in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, guys. Hey, Stephen. Hey. What's on your mind? I've been listening to the show lately, and I was wondering if you guys could help me to understand something. You've been sure. listening to who lately? The show. The, the show. Oh, the show. Okay. Yeah. And... Well, my first question is, do you have a right to water? No. No. Uh, we actually addressed this recently. No. Exactly. What, do you think you do? Uh, could, could you explain why it is that you do not have a right to water? Well, um, because water is a commodity that people own, right? Right. Um, so, therefore, if you had a right to water, you would have a right to my property. And that sounds contrary to me. All right. Now, you have a right to work. In order to get water so that you can have money to purchase water. And I don't think that water costs much. And most people will give you water if you, you ask You have a right for... to work either. I mean, you have a right. You have a right to pursue um oh, Well, I'm not saying you have a right goal. to a job. Okay. But you have you the right careful, to work. Careful. No, no. You don't have the right to a job. You have a right to compensation. You don't have a right to. You can go out there and uh, dig a ditch over and over again. And I'm not necessarily going to pay you for it. Just because you're out there working doesn't mean I'm going to give you money. Now, um, and also, is all you have to do is walk down your street to the nearest house and knock on the door and ask somebody for water. They will give it to you. But you don't have a right to that water. Do you understand? Yes, I do. Okay. So well, My second question is, do you have a right to bear arms? Yes. They, if, if you own that but, arm, you can bear it. But using that logic, shouldn't gun manufacturers have to give you arms if you should so request them? I don't think it's a right no. to arms. It's a right to bear them. Yes. Should you have them? All right. Is that it, Stephen? Yes. I was just I was a little confused on the terminology of the word right mm-hmm. and how it was being used in those two different contexts and how that actually made a difference. There you go. I'm glad you don't you're have a, about you it. never right. have a right to someone else's property, period. Thanks for the call, Stephen. We appreciate it. All right, it. thank you. 800-259-9231. Because if you have a right to somebody else's property, that's wrong. Yeah. Because then right. that means you're stealing or taking things from people. Liberating them. Yeah, that's that's not very right at all. No. And I'm glad I'm glad he's out there thinking about these things. You know, you, you ask yourself these questions, and sometimes you get stuck on them, and you got to talk to other um, liberty-minded individuals to find out. Um, you know what they're thinking. Right, and it's important to uh, to have this concept in your mind, the concept that uh, of of private property and that taking things from others is wrong. Because when a uh, when a socialist comes out and on the news, like they did over the weekend with this, uh, you have a right to water claim. Mm-hmm. When the socialists come out with their claims about what you have a right to, it persuades a lot of people. It because sounds good. Of, right. It, water seems very basic. Right. And if it's basic, it sounds like you should have a right to it. You know, you should have a right to medical care. You should have a, wa- a right to water. You should have a right to education. You should have a right to subsistence food. A you roof should have a right, over your head. You should have a right to shelter. You should have a right to a BMW. You should have a right to a yacht. I mean, you know, it just... There's it, a bit just, of a jump there, but nonetheless... Uh, well, I mean, you know, you're talking about shelter. Why Why right. not Why not a, uh, you know, five-bedroom, three-bath house? All, yeah, why shouldn't all people have uh, the same size house? I mean, we should all have a right to that sort of thing. That's the mentality of these socialists that are out there advocating 
uh, rights to private property. Of course, their other point was that, well, water is a common resource, and it shouldn't be owned by anyone. And, of course, also the, uh, the counter-argument there is, if, well, if you don't own water, then it'll be wasted. Yeah, and you absolutely. And you that now, do you? Water wasting. Same and and that's any, any resource that's common. Yep. Is any resource that's common is going to be just destroyed, plus, sullied, dirtied. Well, plus, if it wasn't for ownership of resources, Mark, then a lot of the things that we enjoy and a lot of the things that the socialists would like to say that people should have a right to wouldn't even exist. If it wasn't for ownership, if I couldn't own private property, if I couldn't own the, uh, the, pro- the produce of my effort... If I combine my effort with natural resources and, and create a new product, say, uh, I don't know, a hamburger. I mean, you have to slaughter cows, uh, you got to have patties, you, you know, you got to... Lettuce, uh, tomato, buns, mayonnaise. Lettuce, tomato. All these things, the, these come from places uh, with people who own businesses producing these products. I own a business, putting them all together and serving them to people without being able to own all those things and own the profits that I make. I'd be doing something else. More's on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is 1-800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there, including the wiki, archive, Shrine of Female listeners, and more. We give it all away, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show in return by buying some stuff at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You know them. They're the world's largest Internet retailer. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. If you got a windfall uh, from your family members yesterday during the Christmas holiday, you got you know windfall cash, you're looking for somewhere to spend it, Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com probably has what you're looking to buy, You know whether it be electronics or uh, office products or uh, sporting goods, baby stuff, you name it. They've got it. And a percentage of your purchase... We'll go to benefit Free Talk Live if you shop at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Now, certainly whenever I go to Amazon and buy something, I go through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. But, uh, you know, if you did get a windfall, I've got to say those uh, the little scullies, the Free Talk Live scullies, yeah. are mighty cool. They I are. think I'm going to be purchasing one for myself. At um, store.freetalklive.com. Store.freetalklive.com. Yeah, I, I got one of the, the ball caps that has the sort of white um, stripe on it and, you know, has a very NASCAR look to mm-hmm. it and it's sort of floppy. It's a good-looking cap. It is. I like it. Um, I'm, I enjoy it, but, you know, it's the right weather now for a scully. Yeah. And uh, you got one, and I'm covetous. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. Uh, also, do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, and they do it in a whole new way. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI, check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Uh, since we're talking about pot, and talking about the uh, Barry Cooper's video, this uh, former drug agent that's now turned to the dark side, as, the, as one DEA agent claimed. <laughs> uh, let's talk about teens and pot. Because according to the Advocates for Self-Government, does marijuana prohibition protect teenagers? Among the report's major findings at the Marijuana Policy Project, and I believe we pointed out a couple of uh, some of this a little while back, but I think they've sort of fleshed it out a little bit more with some more interesting statistics as to do the marijuana laws in this country actually have any effect on teenagers. Marijuana prohibition has not prevented a dramatic increase in marijuana use by teenagers. In fact, the overall rate of marijuana use in the United States has risen by roughly 4,000% since marijuana was first outlawed. 
16.5 percent of eighth graders report having tried marijuana. That's 13 year olds, Mark. That's those are pretty crappy numbers if you're, uh, you know, one if of you're these a drug, drug warriors. warriors yeah. yeah, you're not winning, guys. You're uh, there's more pot smokers all at all times in the United States. You aren't stopping it. For three decades running, about 85% of high school seniors in the United States have reported that marijuana is, quote, easy to get and easier to get than beer, despite Hmm. a near tripling of marijuana arrests since 1991. So there's no doubt they are cracking down harder on marijuana. It's not scaring them off. For three decades running, uh, excuse me, independent studies by Rand Europe and the U.S. National Research Council have reported that marijuana prohibition has little or no impact on rates of use. Since Britain ended most marijuana possession arrests in 2004, the rate of past year marijuana use, in that they used within the last 365 days, from 16 to 19 year olds has dropped from 24.7% to 21.8%. And that's actually a pretty significant drop, considering it's only been two years since they stopped essentially arresting people for marijuana possession. You know, um, if if you think about the drug war as a situation of winning, the cops absolutely have won. The, um, they've got more arrests, you mean? No, no. They, they've gotten more. Um, and what I, when I say cops, what I mean is the top cops, the big boys. The ones who, um, you know, if you're, if you're some small town sheriff who has three deputies underneath you, you're crap, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're... If you've got, if you're a sheriff that has 30 deputies underneath you, you're a much bigger deal. Yeah. Well, they've grown the size of their police forces by growing their budgets dramatically since. And a growth the, in budgets a win for the cops. Absolutely. So they have one, which is about growing their, um, you know, bureaucracy, their particular bureaucracy. So whether it's the DEA or whether it's a small town county um, USA. They've all gotten bigger, and it's all about drugs. In the United States, rates of teen marijuana use in states that have decriminalized adult marijuana possession are statistically equal to rates in those that have retained criminal penalties. The latest state to decriminalize pot, Nevada, has seen a drop in teen marijuana use since the decrim law took effect in 2001. In the Netherlands, where adults have been allowed to possess and purchase small amounts of pot from legally regulated merchants since 1976, the overall rate of pot use remains less than half of that in the United States. Hmm. Now, that's overall, they didn't say of teenagers, but just in general, people use marijuana less where it's legal. Government surveys consistently report rates of marijuana use by U.S. teens to be high, as high or higher, often much higher than teens in the Netherlands. So teens also far less likely in the Netherlands to smoke marijuana than U.S. teens. Paradoxically, prohibition may increase the lure of marijuana for young people and diminish the effects of anti-drug education by forcing educators to make claims about marijuana that teens recognize as false. Mm. Prohibition might actually encourage teens to move from marijuana to hard drugs, the so-called gateway effect, by putting marijuana into the same illicit market as drugs like cocaine and methamphetamine. In the U.S., the rate of past-month cocaine use among 15- to 16-year-olds is triple that of their Dutch counterparts. And U.S. teens are nine times more likely to use amphetamines than are Dutch teens. So what are they doing right in the Netherlands that we aren't doing here? Sell it, making pot legal. They're making pot legal, and they are even more tolerant towards other hard drugs as well. 800-259-9231. We go to George in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hey, George. What's on your mind? Um, yeah, I'm, I don't understand everything about libertarianism. I just okay. wanted to ask you a basic question. Sure. Um, how do libertarians determine ownership? Like, um, let's say that I I have access. Well, I don't have access to a resource, but someone has access to a resource, 
and I can't get access to that for some reason, or or say there is a resource out there that is unclaimed and and I would like to claim it, but someone else has the uh, ability to claim it and utilize it better. How, how do libertarians um, deal with this? You're going to have to be a little more specific. I'm, I'm not Talking sure. About like a plot of land or something? A plot of land, water. You know, you were you were speaking about the the right. How how owning water is not a right. Mm -hmm. um, well, it would have to be a pretty scarce resource. Water is um, not a very scarce resource. I mean, no, 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 we were saying you can own water. You it's can that own water. You don't have a right to water. Okay, um, let's say someone else owns that water, but I want to own it, and they don't want to sell it or anything like you that. Can get your, I... You can get your own water. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's not like you. you I'm, what I'm saying is that, that things, there are scarcities in this and that. There sure, are there absolutely things. are. I just—I'm sorry about being vague. I, I, no, no, it's okay. I see where you're coming from, and this is actually a a, a bone of discontent between some libertarians. Uh, for instance, the question would be, well, you know, the the minarchist libertarians, the ones that want small government, like Mark, uh, compared to me, the ones that want no government. You know, there's a bit of an argument between, well, how far do we go as far as returning property rights to people? Um, for instance, how do we, how would we, without the government to say, yes, Mark, you own this plot of land. Here's a title. Right. Um, you know, without the government to do that sort of thing, how could we transition from the government doing that to some sort of a uh, private uh, agency? I don't know, some sort of contract uh, insurance group actually helping people homestead land because there's homesteading which is sort of a time-honored tradition of if you see property that uh, you would like to use yourself and it doesn't appear to be owned in some way then if you homestead it you you know put up a fence around it put up signage to show that it is your property then you've essentially claimed that property now some libertarians you know would argue well that that property's already been claimed by somebody. That that property's already owned by somebody. And indeed, if it has been homesteaded, then you certainly couldn't claim it. Uh, but there's there's definitely some discontent amongst libertarians as to well, you know, can you really have uh, can you really own property if you aren't actually putting it to any use? That sort of thing. Is that kind of where you're coming from? Uh, yeah, I, I think you, you've clarified a lot of things for me. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll listen offline. Thanks, thank you. And we're all looking for new ideas. Uh, we're all open to ideas as to how to get out of this government paradigm of where government is in control ultimately of everything and get to a more market-based perspective. And when it comes to land, it, it can be a little bit tricky. Yeah, I don't have um, I don't have all the answers when it comes to land that's uh, not in use, mm -hmm. quote unquote. Like I could own land um, and and say that I'm yeah I'm returning this land to a state of nature. That's what I'm doing with it. Yeah. Um. So who are you to say that I'm that's not a legitimate use of my land? It's a great use of my land. I'm I'm allowing the bears and the bunnies and the squirrels to run run amok right. on my land because I think that we need more land returned to nature. A good point. And, you know, and so at that point, then you allow for um people to begin possessing more and more land. Um. Possessing land's relatively easy when there's no taxes on it. It'd be really nice to be able to, you know, buy a plot of land and then not have to pay, you know, a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand dollars a year on yeah, it. For sure. And as far as uh, as far as that uh, that approach, what you're talking about, where you would have this big plot of land and just let it sit there, uh, you know, there's more to this, and I think we should uh, we should explore it. Coming back an hour and a Good question, two, Georgia. Because it is interesting. It's a very interesting issue. We'd love to hear what you think about it at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is your show. You take control. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. 
Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. As we launch hour number two of the Tuesday edition, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features you'll find there because they are totally free. That is freetalklive.com. We can talk more about property rights in a moment. But Dave in New Hampshire is on the line to start things out. Hello, Dave. Hey, guys. Can you hear me okay? We got you fine. What's on your mind, sir? Okay, cool. Well, I wanted to give you an update on uh, an interesting story. It it sounds like a piece of bad news at first, but I kind of like the way that it's playing out. Uh, As you know, a state rep in New Hampshire, uh, the free state, which has no income tax or sales tax, Mm -hmm. uh, has presented a bill which would impose an income tax. Oh, boy. You probably heard about this. Uh, I know that. I know it was. I guess it's presented every year and it's shot down every year. Correct. What was interesting to me was not the fact that it was presented, but the reaction to it, uh, since, you know, of course, we have now a uh, uh, Democrat-controlled House and Senate in New Hampshire. Uh, there's been some talk that maybe it was going to be a real threat this year of an income tax. And maybe there is, I don't know, but the way it, the reaction played out was so hostile to this income tax, even among Democrats, hmm. uh, that it, I was really encouraged that it looks like we should be able to beat it again this year, but uh, you, know, you never know. Well, that's good to know. I mean, at least uh, from what I – the impression I've gotten since I've been here is that even New Hampshire Democrats are still of a pretty pro-freedom mindset, at least in comparison to the rest of the Democrats in the rest of the country. I'm not necessarily saying that they are uh, completely pro-freedom, but they do know that if they support things like income taxes and sales taxes in New Hampshire, that the New Hampshire voters are not going to ever let them see uh, their elected office again if they are up for re-election. The guy, the guy who proposed it says he expects to be a one-term, <laughs> one-term representative. Yeah, probably the case. Does he, does know, he think he's going to be one-term that. because of the? I'm sorry, um, Dave. Does he think he's going to be a one-term because of the proposal, or um, that was just his intent from the beginning? No, beginning. that's what he said. He said I'm, I may be voted out just because of this one proposal. It's very likely. Brought it up anyway. I think that New Hampshire uh, re- residents are less likely to forget things like this than other people around the country. I think they'll hold a grudge. Well, it's certainly possible for them to keep closer track of their reps than I think most places uh, are able to, just because of the infrastructure there and the way that people, you know, track the reps and so forth. Mm-hmm. Very good, Dave. Uh, is there anything else on your mind? I don't know. Uh, I haven't uh, listened since uh, Lauren Canario got free, but you guys have all the updates on uh, what's going on with her and everything. Yeah, well, we saw her uh, over the weekend. As a matter of nice. fact, she's, she's doing great. Very, very uh, good, uh, good thing to see her out of jail, and um, it's, it's especially uh, rewarding to hear, you know, the reasons why she thinks they let her go, which seemed to include the, the pressure that was put on her by Free Talk Live members and others. That's true. Um, she actually posted a, a message on the nhfree.com forum thanking people for calling uh, the judge, calling the prosecutor, because there was a variety of people. There was, I guess, an action list at nhfree.com for a while. And, Dave, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Essentially, a lot of people activated um, and made phone calls to these decision makers in the bureaucracy, and they made so many calls that somebody actually said something to Lauren while she was in jail or I guess while she, when she was in the courtroom saying, look, you're getting out because it essentially told her that one of the reasons you're getting out is because the judge is tired of getting emails on his personal email account. Wow. That's great. So it does make a difference. You picking up the phone, you shooting out an email, it's just a little bit 
you know, feels it feels like it's nothing to you, right? It's just a drop in the bucket, maybe. But if there's a bunch of drops in that bucket, then uh, it can really put some pressure on these bureaucrats and make a difference. I wonder if at first he thought it was spam. I don't know. 800-259-9231 is the packet 8 toll free line. Let's talk to John in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, guys. I'm just coming in on the end of that. I haven't been listening because my computer's crashed. But uh, speaking of Lauren in prison, uh, she mentioned to me that uh, sometimes the guards would say, your peeps aren't here. There's no cameras rolling. So they were well aware that the media was watching. Yeah, I guess they, they said that, that before. Like in shackles and stuff. Well, as I understood it, they, they said things like that to her before anyone from our group had shown up. So, you know, before the first protest happened, they were sort of razzing her, saying, oh, it looks like your friends have abandoned you, th- uh, abandoned you this time. And then after the first protest, they shut up about that. Little do they know. Yep. We're not the type of people that give up. So, John, what else is on your yeah, mind? I called tonight because uh, we were talking a little bit last night about the first 1,000 pledge. And, uh, by the way, I received a letter uh, from Lauren from the prison, and she was talking about the uh, uh, first 1,000 pledge is something that stayed on her mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were mentioning how... You know, to the folks that are listening that are considering signing that, not everybody is, you know, expected to be a superstar activist. Uh, You know what? I haven't put my butt on the line other than I write some songs and I do some protests. And I've written some songs, and I I just modified one. And I I was hoping that I could play about 20 seconds worth just for people that are considering the first 1,000 pledge. Sure thing. Mm. I'm going to just set the phone down here. Yep. And, uh... I'm just writing this, so I hope I don't I hope I don't mess it up too much. All right, John. It's modified from from a Free State Project song that I'm writing. Play the damn song, John. Have you heard about the first 1,000? That's what some folks are gonna do. Have you heard about the first 1,000? That's what some folks are gonna do. They're recruiting early movers. And they want folks like me and you. I gotta say, he is. It's kind of fun. <laughs> you know, I was doing that all day long, recruiting, um, recruiting folks. I. Uh, and so I, with that, um, my my point of all that is, you know, I've been writing some songs about some of the superstars, and and uh, by the way, Dave that just called, I, 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 he, if he's still listening, I'm actually working on a song, uh, or tune that doesn't have any words. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, I I write things that I sing along with, but in honor of his silent protest. I'm messing around with something with no words at all. To do. What, you know, what you're doing here, John, is a perfect example of what you called in about last night. You're taking your natural talents, the things that you like to do on your own time, uh, and applying them to the liberty movement. And i got to say, you know, you are uh, that, that, that's very creative uh, beginning to the song. I'm sure the, we'll hear the rest of it eventually at uh, some upcoming get-together. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight as let always, me, sir. Let me make yeah. one point about that. Yeah. Uh, as far as natural, natural ability or, or what I do in my downtime or, or, you know, my free time and all that, um, there's one of the things about inspiration. Uh, when you get up to New Hampshire... This, there's really a, like a flowering, a flourishing, or whatever the right words are. I'm seeing people that, that, that just become so happy being around these people that it's just the best people that you'll ever want to meet. We all share things in common. If anybody went to the Pork Fest, uh, they know what it's like to be around people where you can discuss ideas and people don't look at you like you have two heads or yep. you know, you're just calling into the talk show where where you know w- w- there's a common bond right you don't us. feel uh you don't feel like you're alone anymore and it really and it is it really inspires me I, I, I 
the first song that I wrote uh, uh, is about three years ago, and it was a Free State Project song. And, and you know, I settled in here in New Hampshire, and, you know, I'm seeing the uh, courageous things that people are doing. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's definitely a, it's so definitely it's a really mental thing. Sh- uh, it's not really something that I that I did all the time. It, it It's kind of... Um, Jesus, it's just energizing, I guess. Is awesome. The way I way, well it. put, John, and thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Energizing. I like that word. Um, I would say spoiling as well, because having been here now for coming up on four months and having had the opportunity to interact with a bunch of the other freedom advocates uh, and freedom uh, activists here in the, the state of New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project as an early mover Man, looking back on my former political experiences down in Florida, where we come from, Mark, I don't want to go back. There's just, I mean, the people down there, are not, they don't have it together like the activists do in New Hampshire. And we're just barely even getting started here. It does amaze me that there's so much going on here and that they've had so much effect um, on the government when um, there's only been 130, 140, yeah. 150 movers. It's just tremendous. Just imagine once, you know, 2008, once the first 1,000, once they reach. And there'll probably be extras move beyond the 1,000 because they'll say, wow, this is working. Well, sure. Well, there has to be. I mean, because uh, the first 1,000 pledge ends at the end of this week. It ends at the end of the month on the 31st. Mm -hmm. So after that, you can't sign the pledge anymore. You just move. And so there's probably going to be more than a thousand people moving. I would I would say so. And you know it looks to me like the first 1,000 is going to make it. Um, they're at uh, I believe 180 signers right now. It's kind of been well. It would make it faster if you signed it at uh, at Free State Project. Yeah, absolutely. I, I please because that's it's hard making all these calls. But uh, what an but great point from John. It's energizing being around people of a similar mindset. And not only are you around activists of a similar mindset, but just the general population has sort of that mindset, that sort of pro-freedom mindset. And they just need to be tweaked a little bit, and then they'll come all the way on board. More on the way. You take control. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live, the world poker champ. He's a libertarian. We'll tell you about him. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. That is 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. That does include the wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. Over 900 pages created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. And is there a young person that's important to you? Well, give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. The average college student graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt. That's no way to start a life. Buy them A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. Akidsjourney.com or 800-657-5066 as we go to the phones to the fun. Let's talk to Fred in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Fred. Good good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, uh... You were saying that New Hampshire has no income tax and no sales tax, right? That's uh, that's correct. No state income tax, no state sales tax. Well, how do you pay for government? Do you have really super high real estate taxes? The uh, property taxes are pretty atrocious. Well, they're they're the worst in the town that we're in. I mean, some towns are better than others. That's true. And to be fair, uh, the overall tax burden of New Hampshire is the lowest of, I believe, all the 50 states. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Because, like I say, who's going to pay for government? You know, you, know, you, take, you take education here in Montana... Ninety percent of their budgets goes to salaries and benefits. Yeah. 
on a county level and state level, 60% of the total budget goes to salaries and benefits. It's now, crazy. And I, you know, I just have this philosophy. There are no government employees. There are no such thing as taxation. Now, I'm not against government employees if they're doing a job that I can't do. But the trouble is they're doing jobs we can do. That's right. And they're all getting rich doing it. Yep. There's nothing that the go- – in my opinion, uh, Fred, there's nothing that the government can do – that the private ind- that private industry and private individuals organizing together on a voluntary basis can't do better and cheaper. As long as you don't have fascism, like here in Montana, you can't have fascism without government. Well, not, not, that's not necessarily true. If the private sector is large, let's say, for instance, they say they take a government entity and they privatize it. Okay. Or say you're say, my neighbor of mine had a janitorial service, a fish and game building a brand new building here in Cal- here in Montana. Anyway. He got everybody with all the janitorial services had to put a bid in. But they dictated what salaries you had to pay, what benefits you had to pay, what this, what that, and that's not free enterprise. No. That's because government was involved. Because government was involved. Okay, there, you know, when government's involved to hand out favors, then of course you don't have free enterprise. Well, that's fascism. You know, fascism is when you're allowed to own your own business, but the government regulates you to death. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's, well, that's what yeah. fascism. That's you know, you take you know, uh, over there in Italy. That's what fascism was. There's Nazism, communism, socialism, and fascism. Yeah, and fascism. what that leaves what that leaves is a few select companies that exist, basically with the uh, with the blessing of the government mm-hmm. in the process, because it it well, runs. In Russia, the government owned all the the government owned all businesses. In Russia, the people pretended to work and the government pretended to pay them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's socialism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, the difference is really just in degrees between socialism and fascism. Um, sure. And so that's why we sort of have this sort of mix of social f- socialist fascism here in the United States. Well, I think we're more fascist than socialist. I think it, I think it could be argued because I think you know you cannot build nothing in this country. I mean, look at all the businesses that have been put out because because of the regulation. Like true, fashion. but then again, look at all the uh, the uh, wealth redistribution. I mean, that's all socialist. So really, all it's... that yeah, the welfare state is the biggest. You know, uh, uh, Johnson and his Great Society in 1963, between 63 and 1990, the United States spent $5 trillion fighting poverty. Well, out of that $5 trillion, the bureaucracy, the government employees got 80%. Mm-hmm. The little old lady on welfare only got 20%. So who's on welfare? Uh, the government's on welfare. You ain't kidding. <laughs> hey, Rick, thank you for the call, man. We really appreciate that. hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I said we were going to jump back into uh, land ownership. And how it might be handled in a more free market uh, environment. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting conversation. I think one that we really haven't entirely had on this show. We haven't really had to an extent, and 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 to that uh, to that end, I'm not going to sound very well educated on it because it's not really one that I've done too much thinking about. Um, in that, I'm pretty convinced that we can turn virtually anything over to the marketplace, and and the marketplace will be able to handle allocating those resources. And, but ultimately, know, the question is, well, how do you protect one, your own property if you're not there to ensure that it stays protected? Right. I mean, you know, does everybody only get to own one piece of land that they on which they live? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you you should have, be able to own your business, and then of course you'd go there between day to day. What about um? You know, farmers, do they have to go and visit their land, the land on which they grow food even every day during the winter when they aren't no, growing food? No, I wouldn't think so. I think it would be clear that for a farmer and that sort of thing, it would be clear that the land would be homesteaded and, and right. be used. But with your example last hour about the guy that wants to just, like a nature preserve, 
just have a plot of land and no fences so that the bears and the lions can sort of cross over as they want to. Even if you put a fence around it, um, you know, somebody might say, this land isn't getting used enough. Well, that's where I think that the marketplace would come into play. Instead of having an arbitrary government uh, organization saying this determines what land, uh, you know, land, how land is used and this does not, I think that if we left it up to the marketplace, you would have um, the most satisfactory result that would satisfy most people in the market. Maybe there would be some sort of abandonment uh, uh, rule that would be accepted as common in the marketplace. I don't know. I mean, can you really just take a piece of property and sit on it for hundreds of years, whereas somebody might prefer to come in there and and homestead it and, and actually do something with it? Because property just sitting doesn't do much to increase the wealth pie, but somebody creating something from that property, uh, building a business there or uh, or homes there or something else and, and utilizing that property does help increase uh, the wealth pie. But we don't want to throw property rights out the window. So where is the appropriate middle ground there? If you've got a suggestion as to what you think that uh, we should what we should see happen with property rights, I'd like to hear about it at 800-259-9231. Because to a libertarian, property rights are paramount. I mean, it's because of property rights that we essentially have other rights. I mean, the, the ability to own and hold and, uh, and trade property, not just land, but also other types of property, is really critical to the marketplace uh, being able to function. Right. It seems, it seems like there, um, at, at some point this um, you know, the land ownership or being transferred by you know, uh, uh, bill of sale or something like mm-hmm. that, um, which should be enough. You should be able to sell your property to me with a piece of paper that says, I'm selling my property to you. Um, I am. I am you Bernard. could, but um, it, it would be very sloppy of you to do that because if you were to do that in, under a more market-based circumstance, mm-hmm. you would want to put some contract insurance on that agreement. Oh, sure. Because otherwise, I could just produce a bill of sales. Hey, Mark, you sold me your house last week. Here's your signature. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, I didn't sign that. Well, it's your signature, and there's no contract insurance. Well, then, then obviously we'd have to take that to arbitration. Yeah, you wouldn't have to take that to arbitration, or, you, or you know, a court of law, depending on uh, you know what the you know arbitration is right. that's in place. Nonetheless, time. it'd be wise to uh, to enter into contract insurance. I think everyone would go into contract insurance because it would be so affordable. There'd be no reason to not have it. Um, but what I'm thinking is, is suppose uh, my great grandfather was a um, an environmentalist. And he mm-hmm. wanted to buy a piece of property and then, uh, you know, just let it go return to nature. And then, um, you know, it passes on. It, he just sort of it fails to pass it on to his to my father or my grandfather or whatever. And that property could just sort of slip out of ownership. Well, then there probably would be people that would be um, looking for those sorts of properties in order to snatch them up. More's on the way. 800-259-9231. want to hear from you if you've got a suggestion on what we should do to get the property rights business out of the government's hands. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the archives there. They're totally free. An entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the site for your downloaded convenience. There's no membership fee or any jumping through hoops or logging in or anything like that. 
You just go and get them on the house. Freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's first 1,000 pledge. Look, are you just going to talk about liberty? Or are you going to start living it now, living freedom now? Learn how the first 1,000 pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. But time is a running out on this first 1,000 pledge thing. Now, Mark, you say you think it's going to make it, but we won't know for sure until the 31st. No, right now, um, 819 people have signed up, and and certainly we need 180 more. And if we don't get 180 more, it fails. So head over there, freestateproject.org, learn about it, get signed up, and join the burgeoning pro-freedom movement here in the state of New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. It is really exciting, as John and Dave had called in earlier, uh, have pointed out many a times, it's awesome to be in close proximity to other people that share the same uh, belief system in that they believe in freedom. The rest of us, I mean, the rest of our belief systems differ. Um, I was just sitting across from the president of the Free State Project today having a chat with him, and, and him and I get along great, except he's a devoted Christian and I'm an atheist, but yet we that's not even an issue between us at all. And so there's a, there are differences between the freedom activists here sure. in the state. But, but we they're all, working for a goal. Right. We all agree on the same goal, and that is to get the government the heck out of people's lives to the maximum, uh, maximum extent possible. So if that's interesting to you, freestateproject.org for more information. All right. Uh, let's, let's move on. I said we were going to talk about the world poker champ. And this is actually according to the Advocates for Self-Government's excellent newsletter, The Liberator Online, which you can subscribe for, uh, subscribe to for free at theadvocates.org. But Greg Raymer is one of the world's greatest poker players. Millions of Americans watched him on ESPN as he won the 2004 World Series of Poker main event, beating 2,576 other competitors. Poker experts say his 25th place finish the following year out of a field of 5,619 is almost as amazing a feat. I mean, to the luck and the skill involved there uh, to win number one one year and number 25 the next year, apparently pretty good. The nicknamed, skill has to be high in order to beat that, uh, that amount of luck. Yeah, nicknamed Fossil Man because he uses fossils as card protectors while playing. Greg Raymer. Card protector. I guess so people can't look at the... Your cards okay. or something? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm sure one of our poker-playing uh, listeners can inform us on that. Greg Raymer is one of the most liked and admired of poker professionals because of his friendly, open, and gracious demeanor. According to Poker News, quote, Raymer is magnanimous in victory and gracious in defeat, traits which our society seemingly has all but condemned nowadays. On camera, he's never seen bragging or putting others down. He possesses a quiet, honorable dignity that novices would do well to emulate. As opposed to somebody who gets angry when they lose. This guy's not that guy. Raymer is also a devoted libertarian, and he's seriously considering a run for vice president on the Libertarian Party ticket. Can you see it now, Mark? Doug Stanhope, presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. Greg Raymer, the greatest, one of the greatest poker players in the world, as the vice presidential candidate. That's it, That would be a ticket. hell of a team, man. It's a good ticket. Uh, Raymer made this clear during early December interview with Poker News, saying, My mindset is very libertarian. I believe in individual freedom and that you should be allowed to do anything that you wish that does not harm another person. I also believe that you're responsible for yourself and that the government has no duty to help you except to protect you from others. That does not mean I'm against all government programs that help people, but such programs should not be undertaken merely because they help people, but only if they're economically beneficial to the majority. It sounds like he's not a principled libertarian per se, but more in the Mark camp of libertarian. That's fine. 
Uh, Raymer said he's talking with Libertarian Party officials, quote, about the possibility of running to be the party's official candidate for vice president of the United States. With few exceptions, I would support the official planks of the Libertarian Party. Needless to say, Raymer opposes the recent federal ban on online poker. He traveled to Washington, in fact, to protest the law, saying, quote, the online gambling bill accomplishes nothing much in reality, but it does give the impression that it does. It's a further example of politicians passing a law, not because they're trying to do the right thing, but because they think it will help them get reelected. And if, if the poker players, the online poker players, have anything to say about it, and they don't forget about it by the time the, uh, the next election comes around, hopefully they'll turn out and throw the bums out that voted for this. Yeah, absolutely. Raymer, a devoted husband and father, travels the world playing major poker tournaments. He's a paid representative for PokerStars.com and is writing a book about tournament poker strategy while pondering that vice presidential run. So, Well, uh, liber- uh, the, the uh, Libertarian Party should have uh, their name uh, embroidered on his shirt. You know, these sponsorship. Guys, yeah, these guys have sponsorships, and they, uh, they should be you know, giving this guy a couple that's of a, bucks. That's a great idea, as a matter of fact. I don't know if I expect the Libertarian Party to actually run with it. But anyway, the, in other news, in Washington, uh, D.C. at least, the Justice Department's building a massive database that allows local police officers and state police officers around the country to search millions of case files from the FBI, Drug Enforcement Administration, and other federal law enforcement agencies, according to justice officials. The system known as 1DOJ, as in Department of Justice, justice. already holds approximately one million case records and is projected to triple in size over the next three years, say justice officials. The files include investigative reports, criminal history information, details of offenses, and the names, addresses, and other information of criminal suspects or targets, according to officials. Now, some people are going to look at this and they're going to say to themselves, well, this is a great idea. We're going to help uh, the police. going to help them get more information on the, on the bad guys. But is there a possible dark side here? Is there a possible negative to this centralization of information by the federal government? Has the federal government really ever been able to handle these projects in any sort of an uh, effective way? Well, um, the more names you get together, the more the, the more likely they are to lose those names. And, uh, you know, the uh, people that that steal identities out there um, are likely to get them. Uh, you know, the Vet- Department of Veterans Affairs lost some. I can't I can't remember what other bureaucracies have lost them, but it's. You know, it has that drawback. The database is billed by its supporters as a much-needed step toward better information sharing with local law enforcement agencies, which have long complained about a lack of cooperation from the federal government. But civil liberties and privacy advocates say the scale and contents of such a database raise immediate privacy and civil rights concerns, in part because tens of thousands of local police officers could gain access to personal details about people who've never been, who have not been arrested or even charged with crimes. The little-noticed program has been coming together over the past year and a half. It's already in use in pilot projects with local police in Seattle, San Diego, and a handful of other areas. About 150 separate police agencies have access already, according to officials. But in a memorandum sent last week to the FBI, U.S. attorneys and other senior justice officials announced that the program will be expanded immediately to 15 additional regions and that federal authorities will, quote, accelerate efforts to share information from both open and closed cases. Eventually, the department hopes the database will be a central mechanism for sharing law, federal law enforcement information with local and state investigators who now run checks individually and often manually with the justice's five main law enforcement agencies. Within three years, officials said about 750 agencies nationwide will have access. Now, I wonder about um, updating the information. Like, you could probably access the info as a local police officer, mm-hmm. but what if the information is wrong? 
and you know it's wrong. That's a and good you question. Don't, and you don't act, you know, you don't activate, uh, activate on it. You don't do anything about it. But you want to make a change in the information. What sort of bureaucracy uh, will these police officers have to go through in order to actually get those changes made? There's a lot of different agencies that are going to have to have access to this, aren't there? I mean, you know, every police department, every sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, every state law enforcement group, the state troopers in every um, state, because I know that uh, Florida has the FDLE and it has the uh, Florida, you know, uh, the, the Highway Patrol, the Florida Highway Patrol, um, each one of these different bureaucracies. If you can imagine, Florida has uh, 60-something counties. Right. I can't imagine how many municipalities are in those particular counties. I would imagine at least... One, I would multiply by two um, for the county. So you're talking about, man, this is going to be a huge amount of people you're gonna that need are going to have access of, to this. Right, and you're going to need to hire a bunch of bureaucrats to just handle the phone calls from uh, from police officers having trouble with the database mm-hmm. and and uh, wanting to update information that may be faulty because the more you centralize information you know, at the federal level... A lot of bureaucracies level, are having a difficult time um, just staffing. I mean, FEMA, yeah. FEMA doesn't have anybody. I mean, they're looking for people all over the place. Um, there's all kinds of bureaucracies that are looking for uh, employees. What's going to happen when they don't have enough employees? We'll see what the privacy advocates have to say about this. Because on the front, it sounds like it's a good idea. Help the police, right? I mean, everyone wants to help the police. But the uh, privacy experts do have a few words to say. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. Also, we'll tell you about how the police burned down somebody's house on accident. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you for all your voiceover IP needs, packet8.net, 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features that we have there, totally free. And if you do like Free Talk Live, then we ask that you support the show by buying some Free Talk Live stuff at store.freetalklive.com. You mentioned the Free Talk Live beanie. Or Scully, as you like to call it, Mark. Mm -hmm. One of those little winter cap things that you pull down over your ears. We've got uh, one of those. And it goes low over your eyebrows, too. It's very sharp. I like the way it looks. It Uh, does look good. And it looks nice with our logo on it and everything. Um, Also, the bowling shirt, the Mm -hmm. Free Talk Live shirt. I've got one of those. There's a couple of hats, different styles. Uh, There's also the Free Marketeer flag. There's uh, classic archives on DVD collector sets. And so far, rave reviews on all the products from the people that have purchased them. Uh, Store.freetalklive.com. These are not cheapy crap. Uh, This is good stuff. Nice quality. Uh, Store.freetalklive.com. Talking about a new database that the federal government has been apparently quietly working away on. Uh, It's called One DOJ, as in One Department of Justice. It already has a million case records, and the uh, the intent is to link in all of the police department's from around the country into this one centralized database. And, you know, the law enforcement advocates are out there saying, this is a good thing, it's going to help look at each other's records and protect U.S. citizens, says one of the bureaucrats. With one DOJ, we'll essentially hook them up to a pipe that will take them into its records. Well, civil liberties and privacy advocates, many of whom are already alarmed by the proliferation of federal databases, warn that granting broad access to such a system is almost certain to invite abuse and lead to police mistakes. Barry Steinhardt, director of technology, uh, the Technology and Liberty Project at the American Civil Liberties Union, says the main problem is one of garbage in, garbage out, because case files frequently include erroneous or unproved allegations. Remember, these uh, cops are going to be able to look at open case files, not necessarily just convicted. You won't necessarily be able to look up uh, someone's convictions. You'll be able to get all kinds of just 
speculation and information and and just uh, not n- nothing necessarily confirmed about individuals from these files at least that's the way he's making it sound quote raw police files or fbi reports can never be verified and can never be corrected uh, said steinhardt before you go any farther do you remember the uh the, the story from um that we were reading oh i think it was last week about the gal who uh was um picked up because her Name matched the name that a, a known prostitute had yes. used, a fake name that a known prostitute had used. And the police were being very, very crappy towards Yeah, them. you know, I'm just thinking, I'm wondering how many more cases are going to be like this, that, you know, she gets, she, didn't, she got held for several hours. She was in there for over 24 hours. Over 24 hours. Before the judge tossed it out. And, um, you know, she wasn't even the same color as this person. Yep. Uh, raw police files can't be verified or corrected. It's a problem with even more formal and controlled systems. The idea they're creating another whole system that's going to be full of inaccurate information is just chilling. Steinhardt noted that in 2003, the FBI announced that it would no longer meet the Privacy Act's accuracy requirements for oh, the God. National Crime Information Center, its main criminal background check database, which is used by 80,000 law enforcement agencies across the country. Wow, that's news to me. I don't remember hearing about that back in 2003. They're just essentially throwing it out. Oh, you've got this Privacy Act thing that you passed. Nah, we don't need that. We're not going to apply to that anymore. Mark Rotenberg, executive director of the Electronic Privacy Information Center, a Washington-based group that has criticized many of the government's data-gathering policies, said, quote, I look at this system and imagine it will raise many of the same questions that the whole information-sharing approach is raising across government. Information that's collected in the law enforcement realm can find its way into other arenas and be abused very easily. McNulty and other officials said the data compiled under one DOJ would be subject to the same civil liberties and privacy oversight as any other Justice Department database. So it's all okay. The Justice Department's, they're going to be better. It's okay. Even though the FBI threw out the Privacy Act, they're going to just keep it intact here for this new database. It's Yeah, don't, don't pay any attention to what the FBI's yeah. already done. Gene Votlin, ex- uh, leg- legislative counsel for the Arlington-based International Association of Chiefs of Police said his group welcomes any initiatives to share more data with local law enforcement agencies. Quote, the working partnership between the states and the feds has gotten much better than uh, since the pre uh, since the pre nine one one era, but we're still overcoming a lot of issues, both functional and organizational, so we're happy to see the Department of Justice taking positive steps in that area. And maybe a little bit of bad information, you know, as a, as a result, as an example of what this centralization might lead to more of, we have a story from the East Valley Tribune. Well, I wanted to comment on, yeah. on that. You know, the I think the scariest part about that is, um, you know, the availability of all the speculation to pretty much every police department that comes along. Yeah. I mean, are are the troopers at some point going to be able to get this stuff in their cars when they uh, you know, run, get like. your license? Um, you know, they're they're going to get your whole file of stuff that they may have speculated on. I, that seems scary to me. It'll probably but, take them a while, but they will go. They'll and, go there. You know, what about cases of mistaken identity? We know they happen. They do happen. I mean, are we willing to, uh, you know, just sacrifice the freedom of Americans so that the cops can make sure that they have a great big database? And yes. How much? Yes, we are. How much money is going to be spent on this database? I mean, it's going to be the staff. They don't mention dollars in the that staff article. on this is going to just have to be humongous. Yeah, I the mean, administration is going to be tremendous. It's it, it, it you, you've got to figure fifty states. Um, each one of those states has at least probably two um you know policing departments uh you know over the whole state uh highway patrol and then the the state police themselves um then each county has its own sheriff um each city has its own uh police department 
I, I can't even imagine. This is going to just be a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. And, and once to the me, bad it, information gets centralized, everyone has access to bad information. And that's not going to be very good for um, innocent people getting caught in the crosshairs of zealous police officers. Like Salvador Celaya, a 73-year-old with Alzheimer's disease. Oh God. He wore rubber black boots, uh, dirty blue jeans, and a flannel shirt Friday as he rummaged through the charred remains of his... It's his Phoenix home where he and his wife raised six children. Now, why on earth would he be rummaging through charred remains of his home? Well, from under his gray-hooded sweatshirt, the retired mechanic looked in despair at the burned furniture, piles of clothing, and exposed walls. From the rubble, he recovered a brown case containing his prized electric guitar and set it in the driveway as drizzling rain fell on the home where, for decades, the family had spent Christmas. The future for Salvador Celaya and his 69-year-old wife, Carlotta, was uncertain two days after police serving a search warrant pried open the front door and launched a diversionary grenade through the bed uh, the bedroom window that started a fire that then destroyed the house. Oh, my God. Their son, Oscar, who's 47, says, We're still kind of in shock and disbelief right now. You're supposed to be afraid of criminals breaking into your house, not the police. Scottsdale and Gilbert Police, I think it's Arizona, uh, defended Wednesday night search, saying they expected to find evidence linked to a Scottsdale home invasion that occurred Sunday, and suspect Erasmo Ruiz Villarreal of uh, Phoenix, who's 23. The Gilbert Police spokes bureaucrat said, This is not a botched search warrant. It is not the wrong house. <laughs> I mean, he should have done that. He should have done that, uh, that news clip right in front of the smoldering ruins of the house. <laughs> we did not make a mistake in burning down this house during our search. It's not the wrong house, and it's a very serious criminal we're after. You know what, people? You should be happy that we were here burning your house down. You could have been hiding a serious criminal here. You should be happy we're out here protecting and serving. It's amazing that they have the guts to do this. You mean to say things like that? Yeah, just to say crap like that. Gilbert Police said... I mean, you, you know, the, the fact that he... he you know, it, it just it, it speaks to his thespian abilities, the fact that he didn't break down in tears in front of these people and say, we're, so, we're sorry we didn't be burned down these people's house. I mean, either he's a really great actor or a man completely without a soul. I'll go with the la uh, the latter. Gilbert police had linked Villarreal to a carjacking in late October. The Celaya family, who don't have homeowner's insurance, okay. oh boy, said they're now <sighs> waiting for Gilbert, the uh, city of Gilbert, to repair the wrongs that they say have been done. Quote, I want to hear from the town of Gilbert, says Oscar. I want them to make reparations for what they did. And Dear he God. should damn well get reparations. Yeah, but how long is it going to take? Can you imagine? He's out of the home until then. It's going to be years until, this, until the town of Gilbert comes up with the money for this guy. Gilbert town manager George Pettit said once all the information is available, the report will be forwarded to an independent claims adjuster who makes a recommendation for settlement. The fire caused an estimated $150,000 in damage to the home. Uh, police said firefighters, uh, said firefighters and police were unable to extinguish the blaze because Salvador Celaya was shooting at them. Now, Oscar said his father, who had a twenty-two caliber revolver, was shooting out the front window so smoke and fire could escape. A Phoenix fire investigator has ruled that the fire was accidental. Remember, Oscar has Alzheimer's. Yeah. Or, excuse me, his father, um, Salvador, has Alzheimer's. A Phoenix fire investigator has ruled the fire was accidental because the diversionary He's grenade... He's very, very lucky um, to be alive. The diversionary grenade landed on a bed mm -hmm. and therefore set it on fire. Now, the label on the grenade says, warning... To not be deployed onto flammable objects. Uh, Gilbert Police Department says search warrants shows officers had the right to search Villarreal, the home, and a search for Villarreal, the home and a truck they believed was used in the home invasion. 
They sought $7,000 in cash, electronics, weapons, a pit bull, and rims from a Cadillac Escalade. And all they found was a bank statement for Sonia Salaya, the da- uh, Salaya's daughter, inside a truck on the property. According to the returned search warrant, there was no evidence whatsoever of this wanted criminal being there, and the family claims to not have any idea who this man is. They've never heard of him until now. Wow. More on the way. Hour 3 is coming up. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off hour number three, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the toll-free line, the Packet 8 .net toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so do enjoy those. They are on us at freetalklive.com. As we go into a pretty disturbing story, Mark, that I uh, just stumbled onto here before the show. And it's from the New York Times about a man who was arrested in Baghdad, arrested in uh, Iraq. Okay. And then treated pretty poorly. He was on the inside of the United States uh, United States military's maximum security detention site in Baghdad. And as it turns out, doesn't seem like a nice place to be. As it turns out, he was an American. Really. One night in mid-April, the steel door clanked shut on detainee number two zero zero three four three at Camp Cropper. The U.S. military's maximum security detention site in Baghdad. American guards arrived at the man's cell periodically over the next several days, shackled his hands and feet, blindfolded him, and took him to a padded room for interrogation, the detainee said. And this is going to be a good example, Mark, of what life would be like here in the United States if the government could get its way and have, for instance, the military enforcing the law. Have, for instance, the military just uh, arresting people on a whim and throwing them into detention facilities, which is what we're paving the road for here. We've discussed a few different pieces of legislation recently, the Military Commissions Act, uh, the Defense Authorization Act of 2007, Mm -hmm. both two pieces of legislation that move this country towards a military police state. And this is just going to give you an example of what it's like on the inside. After an hour or two of uh, being blindfolded and uh, in this padded room, he was returned to his cell, fatigued but unable to sleep. The uh, fluorescent lights in his cell were never turned off, he said. At most hours, uh, he was uh, heavy metal or country music blared through the corridor. He He said he was rousted at random times without explanation and made to stand in his cell. Even while lying down, he said he was kept from covering his face to block out the light. Remember, they were never turned off, the lights. The noise and the cold. And when he was released after 97 days, he was exhausted, depressed, and scared. I would imagine the reason they don't let them cover their face is because they need to uh, identify the prisoner when they're doing their counts to make sure that all the prisoners are in their little spots. You know, I mean, that's you don't want somebody stuffing the uh, cell and um, with the you know the the blanket with uh, pillows and then magically poof they disappear. So I don't know. I don't get the feeling that in a military detention cell like this. You get to walk around in population. I I don't get that feeling either. But in it's, which case, once you're put in the cell, you're the guy in the cell. Uh, the, all the rest of this stuff shouldn't be being done. But um, you know, convicts world over aren't allowed to sleep with their uh, heads covered for a reason. 
Detainee 200343 was among thousands of people who have been held and released by the American military in Iraq, and his account of his ordeal has provided one of the few detailed views of the Pentagon's detention operations since the abuse scandals at Abu Ghraib. Yet in many respects, his case is unusual. Now, remember, they mentioned that uh, there are thousands of people who have been held and released. We reported a few months ago that there was something like 13,000 people that were currently being held in a variety of American military detention facilities around the world. Now, if if this man's detention is typical, and we have every reason to believe that it is, if his detention is typical, imagine what these detentions are doing to the uh, people's view of the American military, the American government, and Americans in general, once they get held for 97 days under conditions like this. Doesn't seem like uh, people would be, you know, the family and uh, these people, their, their families and their friends would be real fans of uh, the United States bringing freedom to the world. Yet in many respects, his case is unusual. The detainee we're talking about is Donald Vance, a 29-year-old Navy veteran oh my God. from Chicago who went to Iraq as a security contractor. He wound up as a whistleblower, passing information to the FBI about suspicious activities at the Iraqi security firm where he worked, including what he said was possible illegal weapons trading. But when American soldiers raided the company at his urging, Mr. Vance and another American who worked there were detained as suspects by the American military, which was unaware that Mr. Vance was an informer, according to officials in military documents. Whoopsie! So he tried to do the right thing from his position in the the uh, the whatever organization and ended up spending it was. three months in the pokey and and like the worst pokey around. Yep. At Camp Cropper, he took notes on his imprisonment and smuggled them out in a Bible. Sick, very vomited. He wrote July third. The next day, quote, told no more phone calls till leave. Nathan Ertel, an American, the if American, he's an American, where is he going to call? Held with Mr. Vance, I don't know. Brought away military records that shed further light on the detention camp and its secretive tribunals. Those records include a legal memorandum explicitly denying detainees the right to a lawyer at detention hearings to determine whether they should be released or held indefinitely, perhaps for prosecution. The story told through those records and interviewees or interviews illuminates the haphazard system of detention and prosecution that has evolved in Iraq where detainees are often held for long periods without charges or legal representation, and where the authorities struggle to sort through the endless stream of detainees to identify those who pose real threats. You know, I'm sure that it is a daunting task deciding who's the enemy and who's not the enemy in this uh, situation where you basically have urban warfare going on. I I imagine that's very difficult. It's a problem we wouldn't have to face if we weren't there there in the first place. Exactly right. This man would not have uh, ever spent those 97 days in that prison. You know, He'd I, have been home with his family. I, one could apologize um, and make um, all kinds of excuses as to why the military would have a difficult time um, you know, figuring this or figuring that, um, that out in, the, in these certain circumstances, and, and you know, things like this are going to happen. Poor Mr. Vance and blah, blah, blah. But you know, it, we shouldn't be there in the first place. Absolutely right. If you disagree with that, 800-259-9231. Mr. Support Vance. the troops, though. <laughs> Vance said, even Saddam, the troops are the one that threw this guy in the clink. But we got to support them. No, we don't have to. We've got to support those troops and stuff. I support people who support freedom. And the people who are, are following bad orders in Iraq are not supporting and defending freedom. But don't the troops give us our freedom? No, they don't. Nope, it's ridiculous. Even Saddam Hussein had more legal counsel than I ever had, said Mr. Vance, who said he planned to sue the former Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld on grounds that his constitutional rights had been violated. Oh, what's that? You still have rights when you're in another country? I bet the military would disagree with that. 
While we were detained, we wrote a letter to the camp command, uh, commandant stating that the same democratic ideals we're trying to instill in the fledgling democratic country of Iraq, from simple due process to the Magna Carta, we are absolutely positively refusing to follow ourselves. A spokeswoman for the Pentagon, well, why should they follow uh, these democratic principles of habeas corpus and uh, you know the right to an attorney and all those things? That just means that these... Uh, detainees would have uh, rights and and uh, it would take longer and we'd have to set up courts and, and go we through know trials. That, and we know that the Constitution only gave rights to American citizens. Then we'd have to have evidence against these guys. Then we'd have to present evidence in a court of law. We don't want our uh, military members to actually have to jump through any you know hoops of evidence and try to gather information on these people they're arresting. They should just be able to go and arrest anybody they want to anytime they want, which is what they're doing. A spokeswoman for the Pentagon's <laughs> detention operations in Iraq, bureaucrat so-and-so, said in written answers to questions that the men had, quote, been treated fair and humanely. Because I said so. And there was no record of either man complaining about their treatment. There's no record. <laughs> There's no record. <laughs> because That's if an inmate does complain, we send in three big guys that kick the crap out of them. And so we know if they complained or not. More about this story coming up. Uh, there's a lot of, on this here. Uh, let's talk to David in Houston in the meantime, though. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, fellas. Merry Christmas, dude. Hey, dude. What's on your mind? And a happy new year. La, 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 la. <laughs> Guys, I've been following y'all for a good while now, and I'm I'm 55, and uh, you know I'm not one I'm conservative. That is, uh, mm-hmm. uh, don't jump off to, to too much speculation here and everything. But here's my question: if 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 this Big Brother thing, everything just goes into place here, how are we going to stop something like this? I mean, how how are we going to expect our own troops, say, in in, in the craziest situation that? To to say no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shoot him. I'm not gonna arrest my fellow citizen here or anything like this. Uh, I mean, I guess you guys are. are we can't are, expect the troops to do that. Uh, we saw video footage last year during Hurricane Katrina where the troops were absolutely prepared to shoot and arrest Americans. Yeah, but that's for breaking the law. Well, no, it was for just coming around the corner with a gun. If you had a gun in your hands, they were going to shoot you. And if you'll hold on, we'll bring you back, okay? Because this definitely deserves more discussion. How are we going to stop? Uh, this incredible growth of government. I have an idea. What can one man do? And I'd like to hear what David thinks about it. So hang on, 800-259-9231. It won't just be one man. It'll be a bunch of us getting together. We'll talk about it coming up. You take control of the airwaves. This is your show. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. And it is Free Talk Live and more on the way about the American held as a threat in Iraq. This is Free Talk Live, and it is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are there for you, totally free. The Shrine of Female listeners included. Dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. And you can see what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See for yourself at shrine.freetalklive.com. As uh, let's see here. Oh yes, and we should talk about the Free State Project's new uh, their upcoming convention. It's called the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, and I suggest you get registered now because it's going to be a heck of an event. It's going to be called uh, the New Hampshire Liberty Forum: Attaining Economic and Personal Freedoms in America's Freest State. It's happening in late February, and all the details are at freestateproject.org/libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. As we go back to David in Houston, you're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Now, David, can you sort of recap, uh, because you came in towards the end of that last segment, could you sort of recap what it was that you were asking here for us? Well, thank you. Uh, I just, 
I just, uh, I mean, I see all this coming about, uh, this, uh, our, our, our rights being whittled away here and everything. But mm-hmm. I mean, when, when the, when the iron hits, the, you know, hits the, uh, the hammer hits the iron, uh, how are we going to be able to stop something like this? Uh, I guess you guys know, I mean, I've read a while back that they can, a certain select group of legislators, uh, be it, uh, uh bureau, you know, I mean, secretary of state stuff can call for a constitutional convention I mean, it's just like you know, five or six or eight of them are in their in their capacities, and throw this whole constitution out here. I mean, this thing is really wait a minute. Scary. No, well, you can't. They, do that. They, they, I, I don't know how exactly how they call the constitutional convention. I'll look that up during the break. But um, even if they d- do throw it out, what difference does it make? It's not like they haven't thrown it out already, David. Um, you know, they at this point, you know, n- not one of them hasn't hasn't been compromised, and some of them have been, been compromised seriously. So you I mean, mean the amendments. The, the, uh, excuse me, the Bill of Rights. Rights. I mean, um, everything's so abused now, and 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 just looking right. at that point, I've just said it, it's so fragile. Our whole our whole freedom is. It's now true, so, so you know. And people have been making observations like this for a long time, and they've been all they've been you know, people noticed back in you know the seventies that we were heading in this direction. I'm reading a great book called The Market for Liberty. I've been reading it forever, and I just haven't picked it up again. But it's it is very good. I just haven't had time. Uh, and they predicted what was happening, what's happening now, back in the 70s. I mean, they saw, they saw it. They they st- had their finger up in the wind, and they they could tell it was coming. But you know, a lot of people have been observing the growth of government for the longest time and doing very little about it. So you're asking, when are we going to stop talking and? actually do something. Yeah, Thank you know, you. before 2003, there really wasn't much that somebody could do. You you could get a be a member of your libertarian local libertarian party, you could sit be around a, and have meetings. You, you could have um you could be a member of the national party, give them some money and and then they would well, not get elected. And um yeah. you know, they they did manage to get a few dog catchers and uh you know, <laughs> soil uh you know, soil board board uh people elected, but not really not a lot. Um before 2003, there wasn't anything you could do. You could be happy um, in your own life and try to ignore that stuff. But uh, if wait, you were wait, worried wait. about liberty, what happened in 2003? That's when the Free State Project started. No, actually, the Free State Project started in I think 2001. I thought it was October of 2003. October of 2003 is, uh, I believe, when the vote occurred as far as uh, where the Free State Project was choosing to be the Free State. I. W- Maybe I'm confused on the day. You are confused. Okay. Either way, um, before the, I heard about the Free State Project, I had no solution. I didn't. Um, and then once I heard about the Free State Project, it didn't take me very long at all, um, like, you know, a matter of a few minutes to realize, hmm, this is the only way that liberty is ever going to have a chance to work. Will the Free State Project be able to save America, though? I don't know whether it can save America, and I don't care. As long as it can save the state I'm in. David, how do you feel about it? I mean, you've listened to the show for a while. You've heard us talk about the Free State Project. How do you feel about it as a solution? Well, uh, I mean, any any idea that 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 protects our our rights uh, uh, is is beautiful. But I got to tell you, I mean, I'm a sh- I'm ashamed of George Bush, and I'm from his state here and everything. And mm-hmm. so, Voted for him. He's just a year or two older. I'm ashamed of of that of that person. Mm-hmm. And um, I can understand how that. you feel. Excuse me. I, I said I can understand how you feel about that. I'm Luckily, a recovered recovering Republican too. I I didn't vote for him, so I don't feel so bad. But uh, nonetheless, I can understand how you might feel a little bit betrayed by a man who ran for office. I remember in the 2000 election seeing a big old sign on Main Street in Sarasota, Florida: "Smaller Government." George Bush 2000, you know, like, uh, and and I think I was talking with somebody today who pointed out to me that in the Bob Dole camp, uh, Bob Dole campaign in 1996, 
he actually claimed on television that he was the candidate of smaller government. Uh, the Democrat candidate, Bill Clinton, wanted to uh, increase government by 12%. Bob Dole only wanted to increase it by 9%. He oh, actually God. said something like that on television. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, so there's no hope. I don't see any hope, to, at least in the near future, at the national level for freedom at all. Um, I, I wish I did. I, I'm pretty much an eternal optimist, David, but right now it seems to me that the future for freedom in America is in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, and I, I hope you'll consider becoming a part of it if that's what you want to see happen in this country. I will tell you that in our last election here, I, I voted as much libertarian as I could. And look at the results. i got to yes. say that I don't think it's you enough, David. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've done it too, and I, you, try to, you try to vote libertarian, you manage to vote for two, three people who don't win. Um, I just don't think the that liber- I don't think the Libertarian Party is the way to go. I think that um, it, in order to do it, we all have to make sacrifices, and those um, you know the sacrifices have to be moved to New Hampshire. I don't. I didn't want to move from beautiful, sunny Sarasota, Florida, to New Hampshire, where it's, it's beautiful the, here, Mark. It is, but the topography is completely different. You know the it's amount. Lovely. It, it, Mountains it's, and But stuff? it's different. Yes. Do you understand? It's difficult. Um, you know, to move from one location well, to another an location. Ocean. There's actually the cool thing about New Hampshire is there's different places you can live. You can live out in the boonies if you want to. But I didn't live on the ocean in Sarasota, Florida. I made a big change, and the reason I made a big change is because I realized that there's um I needed to do it. It I knew that the soldiers, the soldiers in the Revolutionary War, the the sacrifices they made were um you know compared to what I was making. Mine was nothing compared to what they were doing. Right. I mean we've got it so easy. Um and David, uh, thank you for the call. We really appreciate. Hearing from you, sir. 800-259-9231. When you take that, and I'm glad you brought that up, Mark, because when you take the revolutionaries in the late 1700s mm-hmm. and compare them, compare what they had to give up, compare their sacrifice, uh, what they were willing to lose, what they put on the line in order to uh, to attain freedom in their lifetimes. You know what you and can compare also... to what we're doing. It's just like a joke. We and just have to move. The the other thing is is that you compare is compare what their level of oppression was. Yeah. They, they weren't even anywhere near as 1%, oppressed as we are. 1% tax is well, what they were angry well, about. Yeah, that, that's the the T tax. and right. I've heard that it was higher than that in certain cases. But we're still not talking about taxes outside of the single digits. Um, you know, and there was sometimes um, soldiers were uh, I don't know, cloistered, cloistered in someone's home. Yeah. Um, you know, they were housed in people's homes. And, um, yeah, there was a there was a uh, kind of a riot that was uh, where some people were mowed down by some soldiers in Boston. Basically, Americans didn't. Most Americans, except in the cities and a few cities, didn't really see British soldiers. Um, they didn't have to worry about their uh, no. British overlords. There was some. They they weren't represented. But and to that to that extent uh, to that end, most Americans weren't really revolutionaries. Most Americans back then, as it is today, were apathetic about it. In fact, a lot of them were allied with the uh, King George. And some of them were just, whatever, they yeah. didn't care. And then there were some who were allied with the revolutionaries, but only a small percentage were actually the ones who laid it all on the line. And in comparison, what we have to do today, all you have to do is move to a nice, friendly state full of nice people with low taxes. I mean, it's really not so bad in comparison. More on the way. You take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. We're going back to Iraq. Coming up. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. 
Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Your show, you take control of the airwaves. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the bulletin board system. There's a lot of uh, posts. 140,000 posts. That's a lot of posts. More than that. Uh, waiting for you there. 1,300 people interacting. There's so much on the bulletin board system, you'll have trouble keeping up with it sometimes. Um, I, although I've spent... I haven't spent enough time there recently, Mark. The uh, the unread messages have been stacking up on me. There's a nice little feature where if you post a message on one of the threads, you can tell it to alert you if anybody responds. That way you don't have to go back and keep checking to see if someone has actually responded to what you've said. Mm-hmm. It'll send you an email. That way it sits in your email box saying, hey, somebody responded to you. You can come here and look at it whenever you want. I do that. So uh, I think it's really cool. Uh, BBS, and it's free. BBS.freetalklive.com will get you to it. That is BBS. .freetalklive.com. And do you have a child in your life? Be they son, daughter, or sibling, give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. Give your, uh, give your special child a Kid's Journey to Getting Rich and order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 800-657-5066. As we go to the phones in DJ in Chicago, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hey, DJ, what's on your mind? Hi. Um, well, continuing the, the discussion on the Free State Project, Yeah. Um, let's, uh, I'm a big advocate of the Free State Project. I think it's a great idea. Um, I, I'm not myself a member. Really? Uh, for the simple fact that um, I, I uh, enjoy it here in Chicago. I, I was born and raised here, and I have several connections here. And, you, and you're not uh, a big fan I of consider- foie gras. Uh, yeah. Um <laughs> I would consider moving uh, at some point. I would consider it uh, if, if certain things in my life were to change. What, uh, what's uh, holding you I, back? Uh, well, well, that's kind of what I wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have, well, let, let me pose, pose a question first. Um, is your goal uh, personally or, or is it the goal of the Free State Project for all libertarian-leaning people to move to New Hampshire? It wouldn't no. be a bad idea. Um, That'd be nice. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, quite honestly, all libertarian-leaning people in the United States aren't getting what they want politically. They're just frustrated. Um, you know, And this country, I would think most of them would agree, this country is going, going down a path of tyranny or at least larger government. Um, of course. So, you know, I mean, it depends on where you see us uh, being in this uh, paradigm. Are we so close that this is it, this is the final moment where we have to uh, make a stand or lose liberty forever? Or do you think that we've got a ways to go? And you've got to answer that question for yourself. If you think we're in the final moments and that liberty is you know, slipping over the parapet, you need to go to New Hampshire because that's the only answer, in my opinion. It really is the only answer. And, uh, and to address uh, all libertarian-minded people, anybody who loves liberty is going to become more and more drawn to New Hampshire over time. Right now, it's Absolutely sort of this true. concept that some people have signed on to, right. and it's not really been proven totally yet, though there is a bit of a proof of concept happening already. Um, it's sort of like out there, and people are looking at it, and they're considering it. But as we get more activists here, as the best activists from around the country, uh, from different areas, different libertarian groups around the, uh, the United States and around the world, there are members from around the world as well, as these people start moving to New Hampshire and getting active in the local 
local groups that are already being set up for them to plug into mm-hmm. and get active with. We're going to be able to tout more successes here on Free Talk Live. There are going to be more you know, press releases going out. The uh, Free State Project is going to get more attention around the country, especially amongst libertarian circles. And those libertarians who are sitting out there watching their local groups, which are ineffective before, become even more ineffective because the uh, the best activists are leaving and going to New Hampshire, they're going to finally say to themselves, you know, I've waited long enough. It's about time I joined the uh, the pro-liberty revolution happening in New Hampshire. It's going to be the place to be eventually, DJ. Yeah, well, one concern I have is that if all libertarian-leaning activists, again, in just a perfect world, if all libertarian-leaning activists were to move to New Hampshire, we wouldn't have anyone left stationed, if you will, you know, around America in big cities, small towns, wherever. I, I understand uh, where you're that, coming that from. That could be a concern. It, it, it could be a concern, but at that point, um, what's more important? Have, I mean, what are, have these libertarian activists been able to do in, 35, in the 35 years of the existence of the Libertarian Party? They've been Party? stationed. Not, not a lot. Right. Not, not a damn thing. They've been sitting you know, there having meetings every we've, week. We've tried this, DJ. It failed. Well, I, I've, I've been pretty active myself. I'm, I'm not saying you haven't, meetings, but, but. but what have you managed to do? I'm not yeah. trying to point any fingers right. at you because Ian was a very active um, you know, activist. Uh, in, I was one of the best. Sarasota. Not to be full of myself, but I was one of the best. But he never Sarasota. did anything. He never accomplished anything. He went out I and, did a lot. You did I a did. lot, but accomplished nothing. Right. Right, right. And we see this across the country, and I understand that. And the accomplishments I, I have already happened here in New Hampshire. Say again, did you, I think did you? one thing that the Free State Project can accomplish is starting a ripple effect. You know, if, if, if things can get done, you know, if, if we can go into, into a more liberty-oriented direction in New Hampshire, and I think that will happen on a, on a um, quicker basis, you know, given the Free State Project being there. Well, I would agree um, with you um, need, that there would be a certain people. ripple, um, DJ, but, you know, that it's not going to ripple if the, if the pebble doesn't drop in the pond. And at this point, the pebble hasn't hit the pond because we haven't hit 20,000 in the Free State Project. The only way we're going to hit 20,000 is if 20,000 liberty-loving activists across America, across America and the world sign up. Do you understand? And, and like right. it's it's easy to sit there from wherever you are, and I did it. You know, I didn't want to come up here, and I probably would have waited if it hadn't been for Ian and um, you know, bringing the show up here and that kind of thing. But you know, once I'm here, I got to say that this is what works as far as liberty goes. Um, it's it it's and you know nothing else is. And as far as having people stationed in other states, there are always going to be people who are just not going to move to New Hampshire. I mean, we've heard from them. They've got businesses. They use. They've got all kinds of excuses. Their family, their friends. I mean, eventually those excuses are going to melt away as New Hampshire becomes more and more attractive. But there's always going to be libertarians who are going to stick it out and uh, believe that they're you know what they're doing in their states are, is effective, and they'll be there to receive the new libertarians because. To presume that uh, Americans are completely closed-minded to liberty is, I think, uh, is unfair. As we continue to advance liberty in New Hampshire, we'll be able to spread the message of liberty around the country more effectively, especially through Free Talk Live. We need need liberty throughout the country, not just in one state. We do, but the point is the Free State Project would show the rest of the country that liberty works instead of just being a bunch of libertarians, you know, five libertarians sitting at a meeting uh, somewhere in your local area 
area talking about liberty and not really doing anything. Yeah, Here's where the uh, the rubber is going to meet the road, so to speak, and we are going to be able to impl- implement pro-liberty policies and make a difference and show the rest of the world in the country that it does work, that liberty is the answer. And then at that point, the local groups in wherever you live are going to have more recruits coming by saying, hey, you know, let's, let's do this liberty thing here, too. Right, right. Yeah, you know, they've heard about what's going on in New Hampshire. They want to see what they can do, you know, wherever. Right. And it's going to take people like you, DJ, to actually step up and be amongst the pioneers, if you will, of this movement and, uh, and join the Free State Project when you're ready. And I'm telling you, it's going to get more exciting as it goes along, and we'll bring you all the information here on Free Talk Live. Did you have any other thoughts for us? No, that's all. Thank you, sir. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. You know, I understand. It's easy to, to, uh, to stay where you are. It's easy to take the road less, uh, the, you know, the road more traveled, if you will. And, uh, you know, it's, it's cushy. You've got your job, you've got your family, you've got your friends. It's hard to separate from all those ties. It wasn't easy for you or I, Mark. We no, no, it wasn't. South. I don't want to make it, I mean, please don't diminish my sacrifice. Right. I have, I mean, I, I sold one house, I, I'm trying to sell another, I sold a car. I can't tell you how many thousands of dollars I realized the loss of because of having to sell, you know, when I did and, and those kind of things. I left a job that was paying me $80,000 a year. I've made sacrifices. And to to say that, well, it's okay for Ian and Mark to move up there, but I can't do it. You're diminishing my sacrifice. Don't do it. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number if you've got thoughts on that. Or the man who is held in Iraq, an American, a contractor, picked up by the U.S. military, thrown into a brig for 97 days, forced to stand for uh, probably hours on end, not allowed to cover himself, Uh, to keep warm, and the military's claiming that he was treated fairly and humanely. We'll come back with more details on this and your calls about anything. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, and this is the Tuesday edition. By the way, I want to say hello to our listeners at WVTS in Charleston, West Virginia. Tonight's your first official night picking up this hour of the show every night during the week, so hello and uh, welcome to the program, though you are listening on a delay if you're listening in Charleston, West Virginia. Yeah, so if they want to call in, they have to call in the hour before. The hour or um, the three hours before. Right, but big thanks to Dave Evans and the crew over there for getting us on weeknights. I think that's awesome of them. All right, 800-259-9231 as we go to AJ in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Uh, yeah, hi. Um, I was just wondering. I was wondering if uh, you had uh, seen the episodes of uh, Morgan Spurlock's Thirty Days. Who? Mm. Morgan Spurlock. He's the guy that did the um, uh, what's that one where he ate McDonald's for thirty days? Oh yeah, yeah. The Fast Food Nation was it? Was that what it was called? Yeah, I think so. Um, Super Size Me. Did a uh, TV series for FX, and he did Thirty Days in the Shoes of. Uh, Muslims and uh, a couple other different you know, things. And I vaguely was, recall having read that. I do remember reading that. It's been a little while since I read show? it. a TV show? Yeah. Th- no, that, they, that he pretended to be a Muslim and had some problems okay. as a result. And, and you yeah, were going to um, say what now? But, but the one that I was uh, wanting to talk about was the one they put an atheist in a Christian house for 30 days, and uh, it, it was actually rather interesting. Really? It, was it him yeah. or somebody else? Uh, no, it wasn't him. It was a, a woman that uh, had grown up Christian, and she ended up being an atheist. Uh, she had a family. She had, you know, a husband. I think she had two or three kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, she seemed like a, a very decent person. I, I try not to judge because I know 
you know, like you, uh, you know, being an atheist doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. It just right. It's your way of of viewing the world and. So what, what you were just saying that uh, it, you're not an atheist and it sort of helped you see atheists as human beings too? Is that what your point was? Or you know, I'm really not sure. You know, like I see the side of religion and I see the side of atheism, and they both make valid points. I'm just you know I'm in a 19 year old college kid, <laughs> so I'm just kind of figuring it out. Feeling feeling his way through. Understood. Now what's the name yep. of the TV show? Do you know? Uh, it's just called Thirty Days. Thirty Days. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you for turning us on to that. Anything else on your mind? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. AJ, appreciate hearing from you, sir. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. Let's go back to talking about Mr. Vance. His name uh, his name is, uh, let's see, Lawrence Vance? No, Donald Vance, 29-year-old Navy veteran from Chicago, went to Iraq as a security contractor, gave some information up to the FBI about some supposed uh, illegal weapons trading going on in the security firm where he worked. American soldiers raided the company at his urging, but detained him. Because they didn't know any better, or whatever. Bureaucrats are slow and uh, right. clueless. His, his urging came through whistleblowing and through the FBI and made it through, I don't know how many bureaucrats, all the way down to the um, commander of this particular unit that went in. And so they had no idea who the guy was that, uh, uh, you know, sort of set this up. And then he got to see the inside of military detentions in Iraq because they held him for 97 days in a cold, windowless room with lights on 24 hours a day, music blasting. Casting through the halls, uh, made it so he couldn't even cover up his face to keep warm at night. She said the bureaucrat spokesperson uh, said she was he was treated fairly inhumanely. She said officials didn't reach Mr. Vance's contact after the FBI or at the FBI until he'd been in custody for three weeks. Even even so, they determined that he quote posed a threat and decided to continue holding him. Oh, he was geez. released two months later. They said on a subsequent re-examination of his case and his stated plans to leave Iraq. Mr. Ertel, 30, a contract manager who knew Vance from an earlier job in Iraq, was released more quickly. Vance went to Iraq in 2004, first to work for a Washington-based company. He later joined a small Baghdad-based security company where he said things started looking weird to me. He said that the company, which was protecting American reconstruction organizations, had hired guards from a sheik in Basra and that many of them turned out to be members of militias whom the clients didn't want around. Vance said the company had a growing cache of weapons it was selling to suspicious customers, including a steady flow of officials from the Iraqi Interior Ministry. The ministry had ties to violent militias and death squads. He said he also had witnessed another employee giving American soldiers liquor in exchange for bullets and weapon repairs. So, wait a minute. <laughs> Sounds like the uh, soldiers themselves are actually uh, you know, involved in some shady dealings. Can you imagine that? Well, on a visit to Chicago in October of 2005, Vance met twice with an FBI agent who set up a reporting system... Vance phoned into the agent from Iraq and sent him email messages and, you know, told him what he had seen. In April, Ertel and Vance said they felt increasingly uncomfortable about the company. Ertel resigned, and company officials seized the identification cards that both men needed to move around Iraq or leave the country. On April 15, feeling threatened, Vance phoned the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. A military rescue team rushed to the security company, and again, Mr. Vance described its operations. On, uh, let's see, attorney Vance indicated a large weapons camp or cache was in the compound in the house next door. A search of the house and grounds revealed, indeed, two large weapons caches. So he was right about that. On the evening of April 15th, they met with American officials at the embassy and stayed overnight. Just before dawn, they were awakened, handcuffed with zip ties, made to wear goggles with lenses covered by duct tape, put into a Humvee. And Mr. Vance said he asked for a vest and helmet, which he was refused, you know, in case of an attack or... IED explosion. Wow. 
they, well, they, he was a he was in custody at that point. They they taken him custody. He was a prisoner. They were driven through dangerous Baghdad roads and eventually to Camp Cropper, placed in cells at Compound 5, the high-security unit where Saddam Hussein has been held. Only days later did they receive an investigation. They had become suspects for having associated with the people that Mr. Vance tried to expose. So, thanks a lot for uh, snitching out there, Vance. We've decided to throw you into a, uh, into a cell as a result. You've been detained for the following reasons, said uh, a detention notice. You work for a business entity that possessed one or more large weapons caches on its premises and may be involved in the possible distribution of these weapons to insurgent terrorist groups. So apparently the fact that he I was the one I wonder why they picked the... just up him and another guy up. Um, you know, I mean, this company had to have... There were other guys, I think, picked up. They were just the two Americans that were there. Oh, I see. Vance said he began to seek help even before his cell door closed for the first time. Quote, they took off my blindfold and earmuffs, told me to stand in a corner where they cut off the zip ties, and they told me to continue looking straight forward. And as I'm doing this, I'm asking for an attorney. He said, I want an attorney now. And they said, someone will be here to see you. Instead, they were given six-digit ID numbers. The guard short Mr. Vance's into something of a nickname, 343, and the routine began. Bread and powder drink for breakfast and sometimes a piece of fruit. Rice and chicken uh, for lunch and dinner. Their cells had no sinks. The showers were irregular. They got 60 minutes in the recreation yard at night without other detainees. Five times in the first week... Now, how, how in the world would they get... I mean, I don't know. It doesn't seem like they'd be able to... If they only had 24 inmates, then they'd be able to give 60... I don't know. I think they have more than 24. Five times in the first week, guards shackled the prisoners' hands and feet, covered their eyes, placed towels over their heads, and put them in wheelchairs to be pushed to a room with a carpeted ceiling and walls. There, they were questioned by an array of officials who, they said they were told, represented the FBI, CIA, Naval, uh, Naval Criminal Investigative Service, and the Defense Intelligence Agency. He said, it's like boom, 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 said Mr. Ertel, that's the other American. They're drilling you. We know you did this. You're part of this gun smuggling thing. And I'm saying you have it absolutely way off. The two men slept in their 9 by 9 foot cells on concrete slabs with worn 3-inch foam mats. Well, at least they had the mats. With the fluorescent lights on and the temperature in the 50s. Holy crap. Vance said. They're killing bacteria, huh? I paced myself to sleep, walking until I couldn't anymore. I broke the straps on two pair of flip-flops. Asked about the lights, the detainee operations spokes bureaucrat said that the camp's policy was to turn off cell lights at night to, quote, allow detainees to sleep. So they just must have forgotten about the policy. For 90 days? 97. One day, Mr. Vance met with a camp psychologist. He realized I was having difficulties... He said to turn it into a game. He said, I want you to pretend you're a soldier who's been kidnapped and that you still have a duty to do. Memorize everything you can about everything that happens to you. Make it like you're a spy on the inside. I think he called it rational emotive behavior therapy, and I started doing that. Camp Rule 31 barred detainees from writing on the white cell walls, which were bare except for Black Crescent Moon, painted on one of the walls to indicate the direction of uh, Mecca for prayers. Hmm. But Mr. Vance began keeping track of the days by making hash marks on the wall, and he also began writing brief notes that he hid in his Bible given to him by the guards. Uh, and he goes on, they, they highlight some of his notes here. Their rights, laid out in a letter from a lieutenant of the Army, allowed them to attend a hearing and testify. Under Rule 3, though, the letter said, quote, You do not have the right to legal counsel, but you may have a personal representative assist you at the hearing if the personal representative is reasonably available. Reasonably available. Hmm. Vance and Ertel were permitted at their hearings only because they were Americans, said Fricasso. The cases of all other detainees are reviewed without the detainees even being present. In both types of cases, defense lawyers are not allowed to attend because the hearings are not criminal proceedings. That's right. They're military tribunals 
where the military does whatever the flip it wants with you. And thank goodness these people were Americans, otherwise who knows what would have been, uh, what would have been their eventual result. And who knows what happens to the rest of these people. A lot of them get turned loose, a lot of them get released. And you can imagine that after spending a few weeks, even a few days, and most of them are spending much longer than a few weeks, but even a few days in treatment like that, under conditions like that, 50 degrees, lights on all the time, music blaring, being forced to stand at certain points during the day, sleeping on a concrete slab, no access to showers or running water. It's, you might imagine that that's going to do a little bit of damage to how people feel about the United States. This is the war that you support? It's surprising that that happened to Americans. It's been Ian here with you. And Mark. It's not surprising at all. And in fact, I predict it will happen to more Americans here in America coming soon. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime. FreeTalkLive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.